Well, good morning, everyone. Um, and welcome to those of you who are following on the live stream or, or indeed catching up with this service at some point in the future. So, uh, as we've heard already, uh, the big day is very close. We're just seven days away from the big day. The day that is at the heart of this season of what? Turn to the person next to you and complete this phrase with one word only. Christmas is a season of... Okay, that's enough for one word. That's enough for one word. So, according to Google, according to Google search engine, Christmas is a season of love. Did anyone say love? Award yourself a point if you said love. It's also a season of giving and sharing. Did anyone say giving or sharing? A few, yeah, give yourselves a point. Season of joy. Oh, very popular vote, season of joy. And, of course, season of puns. Now, Google didn't say that, but I know you'd be disappointed if we didn't have a Christmas pun. Like the one about the Magi from the East who followed the star and they got to the place where Jesus was born and they brought gold and frankincense. But wait, there's myrrh. Oh. You love it, really. Come on. <laughs> and it's also a season of hope. Now, I've been thinking about hope uh, a little, and I must have been thinking about Ian Crosty as well, because I've come up with a map of hope. <laughs> I can just feel the crackle of excitement in the room. And uh, here it is. Well, here's the, here, here's the beginnings. Here's the beginnings of my map of hope. Now, hope is, by definition, future-focused. Um, I don't keep hoping for something I already have. If I have it, I don't need to hope. But just for the sake of completion, we're going to slip that one in there, uh, delivered hope. Now, at the other end of the scale is hopelessness or desired hope. You wish you had hope, but there is none. You get into your car tomorrow morning and it won't start. You're going to miss an important meeting. You'd like to have some hope of still getting there on time, but you've left yourself no contingency whatsoever. The reality is you are going to be late. Or maybe you can make it in time. You, you ring a friend or a colleague who picks up and she says, sure, I'll swing by. And you're filled with hope that you're going to make it on time. But no sooner has she rung off than she rings you back. She says, actually, she'd forgotten her husband's got a car. She can't help. Hope has been dashed. Not to worry, you say to yourself, a spaceman will come and pick me up. That's deluded hope. Or maybe you're on the road already and the car's in good shape, the roads are clear, you've left in plenty of time. It's not absolutely nailed on certain, but it's almost certain. You could say that's a, a dependable hope. And when the word hope is used in the Bible, it carries this idea of a confident expectation of something to come. But there's another hope in the Bible, and it's deferred hope. This is hope that takes the long way round. A hope that's been on the road for a while. There's still hope 
of reaching the end point. But you've been waiting a long time. And the end seems no, no nearer than it did at the start. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred is hope that's drawn out, extended, prolonged, scattered, stretched out. The Passion Translation describes deferred hope as the dream that seems to drag on and on. The delay that can be depressing. Or the Message Translation says, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick. But a sudden good break can turn life around. And C.S. Lewis captured something of the meaning of hope deferred in his children's book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. So the film adaptation of the book has this scene involving Lucy and Mr. Tumnus the Fawn. That is my father. He has a nice face. He looks a lot like you. No. No, I'm not very much like him at all, really. My father's fighting in the war. My father went away to war, too. But that was a long, long time ago. Before this dreadful winter. Winter's not all bad. There's ice skating and, and snowball fights. <laughs> oh, and Christmas. Not here. No. No, we haven't had a Christmas in a hundred years. What? No presents for a hundred years? <sighs> Always winter, never Christmas. It's been a long winter. But you would have loved Narnia in summer. <laughs> Christmas? Not here. No, we haven't had a Christmas in a hundred years. What, no presents for a hundred years? Always winter, never Christmas. It's been a long winter. That is hope deferred. Always winter, never Christmas. And I wonder if, I wonder if you can identify at all with that feeling. Some of you can, while others are in the kind of festive Christmas mood, you're full of festive cheer, you are struggling with disappointment, unrelenting disappointment. You haven't lost hope completely, but the light at the end of the tunnel seems a long, long way away. In the words of the, the various translations, your hope is drawn out and extended and prolonged. Maybe like David in the Psalm, you cry out, how long, Lord? How long? like Habakkuk, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Well, if that's you, then I believe the Christmas story has something to speak into your situation. Take, for example, the account in Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. 
but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. They would have lived with deferred hope for many years. Hope for the children that never came. It was probably teetering on a dashed hope. But apparently Zechariah was still praying about it. But they must have felt that it wasn't going to happen, that their time has passed. But into this situation comes an angel of the Lord and a promise. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. So where hope was nearly gone, hope sprang up and a child was conceived. Or as another example, take Simeon and Anna, whose stories are told in Luke chapter 2 at the dedication service of Jesus. We are told now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now we don't know how old Simeon was, but it's implied that he was nearing the end of his life. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that before his time came, he would see the Messiah. So how long had he lived with that hope. And did he have a question whether he'd heard the Lord correctly? Did he ever doubt it? We've no idea. But one day, moved by the Spirit, he goes into the temple courts and there he finds Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. My eyes have seen your salvation, he says. And then hot on the heels of Simeon, one more example, a prophet, Anna. She was very old. She'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Another person who had been waiting a long, long time for God's redemption. Another person who'd experienced hope deferred, but who now rejoiced in hope delivered. Hope deferred is not easy to live with. With it, with the weight, can come doubts. Did you really hear from God, Simeon? Accusations, well, God gives the righteous children. Elizabeth, what sins are you covering up, I wonder? Mockery, you're wasting your time, Anna. He's not going to come in your generation. To which we could add loss of confidence, loss of will, despair, grief, and more. The future appears bleak. There's no peace on the horizon, no peace about the foreseeable future. Job, that Old Testament man of sorrows, said, What strength do I have that I should still hope? He's nearly out of hope. He's exhausted with it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
but, and there are lots of buts in Proverbs, and our verse in Proverbs 13 has one, the hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And a few verses later, a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. When Elizabeth and Zachariah receive their son, wow, joy. When Simeon and Anna get to see the baby Jesus, wow, celebration. Any doubts, loss of confidence and will or despair and grief are just swept away in a moment and in their place come rushing in joy and peace. Hope deferred has become hope delivered. And I absolutely love this image of the tree of life. And if you think about it, it is just packed with promise. So it suggests protection, protection for your soul against the thoughts that rage against it. It suggests life-giving fruit, like the fruit in uh, Galatians, love and joy and peace and patience. It suggests abundance, enough for yourself and enough for others. It suggests security, roots going down deep into the soil, supporting a tree that can withstand anything that the future might throw against it. It suggests longevity, with season following season, yearly harvests. It takes us back to the book of Genesis and the garden, in the middle of which you may remember there were two trees. Because Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Lord God said, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So it takes us right back to the start, this image of the tree of life, but also right to the very end and the book of Revelation and the final chapter and the river of the water of life as clear as, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street on the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They'll see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There'll be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. So an amazing future painted for us and at its heart this tree of life. But that's then. We live in the now, don't we? The present, the age of hope deferred. Although some of us feel this more than others. One very famous work of art, I don't know if you recognise this, sums up perhaps how we feel. This is known as uh, There Is Always Hope or Girl With Balloon, um, a recognisable, iconic piece by Banksy. It's a bleak image of concrete. There are no windows, no trees, no observable life. And our eyes are drawn to this image of the girl whose red balloon, which is believed to symbolize innocence, love, childhood, hope, 
is being blown away. But to the side, in fragile chalk, the message. There's always hope. There's always hope. And I wonder how you feel about your future. Perhaps because of health or finances or relationships or work issues or something else, you feel that hope is fragile. A balloon that seems to be just blowing away from you, getting further and further out of reach. Perhaps you're concerned not for yourself maybe, but for your children, grandchildren. And the world they're going to be growing up in with all of its violence and its depleted natural resources, its corrupt power structures. Perhaps you feel the future is as bleak as a concrete wall. But if you do, there is good news. There's a lovely scene in the film, um, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. It's a good cheer you up film if you want one over Christmas. A newly arrived guest is very unhappy with the hotel. It's not how it was described in the brochure. A metaphor for life, you might say. Uh, like life, it's messy. And she takes her complaint to the manager. I want to stay at the other hotel, the one that's in the brochure. In India, we have a saying, everything will be all right in the end. So if it is not all right, it is not yet the end. Everything will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not yet the end. I love that. What is this cause for optimism? Well, the birth of a baby boy to Elizabeth and Zachariah. The sight of a baby boy to Simeon and Anna. That baby boy was the longing fulfilled, the tree of life. Jesus was and still is the way, the truth and the life. He said of himself, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In a well-known Christmas reading, we hear these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life bringer. He is our longing fulfilled in this life and our longing fulfilled in the life to come. So if you are missing peace about your future, then perhaps the missing peace is Jesus. He came the first time and is present now, our Prince of Peace. And he will come again, our Prince of Peace. Well, what does that mean in practice? What does it mean to have peace about my future? Well, maybe you are living with hope deferred. Like Mr. Tumnus, you feel it's always winter, but never Christmas. Or maybe like Job, you feel you've just got barely enough strength left to keep going. Or like the girl in that street art, you feel like your hope is drifting away in the wind. 
Well, God doesn't promise that your circumstances will change. He doesn't promise that you will repair that relationship or get that job you want or have a healthy 2023. Some of his faithful servants have had a horrible time of it. I hesitate to share this reading at Christmas time because it's not a festive reading, but here we go. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and coatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world wasn't worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. That's not one you're going to hear at the carol service tonight. Can I just reassure you if you're planning to come? But the point is this, happy circumstances aren't promised even to the most faithful of God's servants. What is promised is God's presence and strength for the day. What is promised is that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus as you bring your requests to God with thanksgiving. And we can be honest with God about how we feel. He has big enough shoulders to carry our burdens. We can be absolutely real with him. The psalmist said, all my longings lie open before you, Lord. My sighing isn't hidden before you. We can be real with God. But we need to trust him too. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It may not be natural to hope in your circumstances, but there is a supernatural hope that comes in abundance by the power of the Holy Spirit as you trust in him. Now, not all of us are living with hope deferred in the very personal sense of someone longing for, a re for relief from their present circumstances. In fact, you may be feeling the complete opposite. Confident, optimistic, untroubled. But all of us surely long in some way for a better future, to live in a better world. A world without hatred and violence. A world without aches and pains. A world without tears and grief. To live in a world of flourishing natural resources. A world of justice and righteousness. A world where love is the anthem. Whatever your colour, shape, gender. And ultimately, that is where our hope must be focused. We don't close our eyes to the pain in the present world and hope it will go away. But if we continue that reading in Hebrews, that one that we won't be hearing at the carol service, we have a longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, the writer continues, God is, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So God is preparing a city for the people of faith. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, 
the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her, for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. So are you missing hope for your immediate future? Or are you anxious about what is to come in the long term? Because Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the beginning and the end. Jesus is the one you are missing. He is, as we've been saying throughout this series, the missing piece. Amen. Calvin.